Lord, we thank you again that we can come under your word this evening. Thank you that we have your, your holy inspired word that teaches us so much about how to, to, to live our lives. And we just uh, pray for Ray this evening. Pray you'll give him the words to say, the words that maybe challenge his heart, but also a word of challenge and encouragement for each one of us as we, as we are here this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, things have improved because the first time I ever preached, the guy prayed for the congregation. But uh, you ever had one of those big disappointments? One of those big disappointments in life. I went home from here this morning quite uh, happy, wonderful sermon, wonderful service. And uh, Jonathan was talking about planning and the future. And I've been promised. Steak and chips for dinner. Would you believe that? And uh, that's because my son, who, who's currently, I say currently, I say that more in hope than anything else, currently resides with us. He got himself a weekend pass to Grinagrog, or whatever it's called down in uh, Torquay. So Ivy said, we'll treat ourselves to steak and chips. Now, that's not because our son was out, and we thought we'd you know, deprive him, but he's off red meat at the moment, so we're okay. And... Uh, Last night, Ivy took out the freezer these two bags with, with steak written on them. Uh, and I, you know, I, I kept going to the fridge and sort of feeling them, make sure they were defrosting okay. And really looking forward to these steak and chips. And uh, came to the point, she got the griddle out, put it on top of the stove, broke open the bags, only to find that the word steak should have read, should have read stewing steak. I said, fry that, fry that. And she's going, I can't fry that. She said, oh, so I ended up with half a quiche. <laughs> One of those days, eh? What a disappointment. What a disappointment. But I'm glad we're looking. Uh, we're looking tonight at uh, Hebrews, still going, still working our way steadily through uh, this wonderful book. I don't know if you've been reading it yourselves on the off chance, um, but what a book. Uh, this... I call it a book, I mean it's a, it's a letter really, it's certainly written uh, to these young Jewish Christians who were really struggling. Um, and wasn't it, you, you know, when you watch these, these clips uh, and when you read the release magazine, and there's a sort of a tugging on your heart both ways, isn't there? There's, there, there's this feeling of a real... I guess to a degree there's a certain amount of anger in there, the way our brothers and sisters are being treated, and you know there's that real sorrow for the, what they're going through, uh, and yet at the same time your heart is absolutely filled with admiration for them and what they put up with uh, for the Lord. Um, and I was reading, I don't know, does anyone read Saga magazine? Is it still going? I often wondered how it ever kept its circulation going because young people don't read it. Wouldn't be seen dead reading Saga magazine. And old people, they don't really read it, although it's aimed at them, but they don't really read it because that's an admission that you're old, isn't it, if you're reading Saga magazine. But uh, a few years back, there was an advertisement in Saga magazine regarding the Pilgrim's Way. Have you ever heard of that? The Pilgrim's Way in Spain? Uh, which leads up to the Cathedral of Santiago Compostela. 
Now, personally, I wouldn't bother going anywhere that was called Compostela, but apparently it has a different meaning in Spanish, so we're okay. But uh, they, they, it's a tradition of some 1,200 years, this, this pilgrim, pilgrimage to the Cathedral of Santiago Compostela. And um, apparently it's a site where somebody discovered or claimed to discover the remains of the Apostle James. Um, and pilgrims would flock to the site, they probably still do, either on foot or horseback, and some idiots even tried it on their knees as a penance. Um, but today you can earn a certificate if you walk. You have to walk at least 100 kilometres to get the certificate, or you can go by bike, but then you have to double the distance, so you have to cycle for 200 kilometres. You know, can you just imagine arriving at the pearly gates with your certificate in your hand? I, I did it, Lord, I did the. You know, I did it. I, I even did it on my knees for you. But in the Saga magazine, the advertisement changed a little bit because it offered a far more comfortable alternative to walking or cycling. You can now go there in a luxury, comfortable, air-conditioned coach with the option of a stay close by at a five-star hotel. That sounds more like it, than it, really? Eh? And some wag of a travel log journalist described it as a pampered pilgrim's progress. And isn't that what we've become? Pampered pilgrims. When you watch something like that, we have become pampered pilgrims. And just like our reading this evening from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, um, Remember last week when Ashley took us, we didn't take us through chapter 11, did he? He only did the first few verses. But all that list of, of the old saints and the, the, the patriarchs. But we now come to, and he will come back to that in a couple of weeks' time, which is good. And it does, it, it does the, the chapter in itself and that reading does stand alone, so it doesn't really matter that we've got it a bit out of order. But chapter 12 of, of Hebrews and verse 4 uh, and I'll read through for the time being through to verse 12, see how far we go. And I've got about 25 pages to get through here. So, it's, uh... so the writer writes to these young, young Jewish Christians, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word, that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And here he quotes from Proverbs, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? And if you are not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all, we have all had the human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. I have to push my notes up a bit. I've never got used to these bifocals. 
So, there's a degree of sympathy for um, these new Christians. It's never easy to change your religion. It's never easy to step out of something that you've known and you're steeped in to change. People, even Christians, find it difficult to move from one denomination to another, let alone moving from one religion to another. So there's a degree of sympathy with these guys. They, they've been brought up in this, in this Jewish world. And as the, the chapter 11 there, with the name of all the patriarchs and all those who the man uses to, to show their faith in God, these people would have known it well and they would be steeped in that. So you ask to yourself, well, where's the relevance in this reading to us today? Because we are pampered Christians. We've been very blessed. I say blessed. It's really difficult to know because if we say we're blessed that we don't suffer persecution, does that mean that those who suffer persecution are unblessed? No, of course it doesn't. But we must consider it a blessing and thank God in many respects, that we don't come under persecution as such. So where is the rele- uh, relevance of this, this for us? Well, you know, we did a Bible study here a few w- years back now uh, on the Bible itself. And the one phrase that stayed in my mind and really changed my whole thinking of when I read Scripture is that the Scripture is not written to us, but it is written for us. Do you remember that? Some of you did that? It's not written to us. So, I mean, this letter is not being written to us, but it is written for us, and there is always something to learn from Scripture. So these guys, yes, they're facing, they're facing a struggle, and it's almost as if this guy's saying, come on, man up. Man up. There is a bit of a struggle going on. You're struggling against sin. You've not yet resisted at the point of shedding blood. But these guys were facing pressure, increasing pressure from the world, but also pressure from their families. Also pressure from their friends, who saw this as a complete and utter betrayal. I don't know if you take the release magazine or any of these uh, magazines that we, we were watching the, the videos there. But do you read the magazines? I mean, this week uh, on the prayer list that they give you, the prayer diary, in China, a church was fined £800,000 because it was considered that their offerings were an illegal source of income. And to pay the £800,000 fine, they had to close three churches and sell them off. So this reading is relevant for some people. Chinese lawyers were threatened with having their qualifications downgraded because they represented Christians in human rights courts. All these subtle things. And this is what these guys are suffering, the sort of things that these guys were suffering. Not, Not physical, not physical, but spiritual and mental. And the guy's saying, hang on, 
Hang on in there. And I think the worst persecution was probably coming from their families because people don't. Jews, Jews, Muslims, they don't look on, on kindly <laughs> on someone changing their religion. You know? And our author is determined to encourage these believers to hang on just as he had earlier on the letter. You remember back in the letter he kept on at these guys, don't drift away. Don't drift away. Hold on firm. Let your anchor hold. You may, or probably more likely not remember, when I preached here a few weeks ago, when I said that you, you know, you can't lose your salvation. It is sure. God won't let you go. But also you really have to um, emphasize that you must make sure of your salvation. You must make sure that you know Jesus and you must make sure that you're known by him. Jenny asked this morning, you know, when somebody comes to know the Lord late in life, it does that give a, a greater impetus and a greater feeling than somebody maybe who's been brought up in a Christian home? I don't know. In my case, no, it didn't make any difference at all. It was marvellous. You see, because there's one thing that God doesn't have, and that's grandchildren. And it would be no good. I, I mean, my parents were, I was about five when my parents became Christians, so I was brought up in a very young Christian home. But most of my life, while I can remember it, was being brought up in, 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 in a Christian home, in a Christian way. And Jonathan's sermon this morning regarding when Jesus said to the man, what must I, you know, when he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he, he gave him all the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Yeah, I was taught all that. But you see, there's one, te- there's one commandment that you can't really be taught. It's something that you have to experience for yourself and know, and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. It will be no good me getting to the gates of heaven and saying, yes, I'm the son of Alfred and Kathleen Hill. And, the, and Jesus will say, well, yeah, I know them, they're inside. I don't know you. What a terrible thing. Everybody has to come to that point of decision, that point of Repentance. I'm quoting Peter Lewis here, and he's speaking of suffering. And as we go on in the Christian life, we can come under certain pressures to conform to our society, to leave behind the zealous Christianity we once championed, even perhaps at considerable cost. The temptation for us as we go on in life is to lower the standard, to drift from the sure anchorage of our faith, to retreat into a private world of belief, and in various ways to conform to the expectations of others. And you know, so often, even when we're discipling new Christians, we compromise. We make being a Christian acceptable to them. C.S. Lewis, and when you think of this, this persecution that Christians go through, C.S. Lewis, what do you expect? What do you expect? You've become children of God in a world that is in rebellion against God. 
The world is our enemy. Whether we live in China, whether we live in Africa, whether we live in Scotland, England or Wales, the world is our enemy. And we are very guilty in this country of compromising. And maybe that's why we don't suffer the persecution that we do. We have become pampered pilgrims. Verse 4, the struggle against sin. That's where we started, wasn't it? The struggle against sin is actually a refusal on their part to make peace with their society on its terms. That's a difficulty, isn't it? That's the struggle we have in this world, personally, as Christians, is not to conform. We have nothing, we, sh- we should have nothing in common with the world. We live in the world, but we're not of it. We should have nothing in common with the world. Maybe in our society, your friends' relations, you know, they may be happy just to write off your face. They'll put up with you. As long as you don't bother me too much with it, you know. Oh, Mary, she's gone off on one, you know, she goes to that church, but, you know, just leave her alone. You'll get on all right with her. <laughs> Not you, Mary, but yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we worry about that. We worry about the embarrassment that it might cause us as we become Christians. We worry about the embarrassment of speaking about Jesus. And yet there was a story recently that I read where a Jewish family had actually carried out a burial service for their son who had become a Christian and to them he is now dead because they have nothing in common with him but are we doing people any favours by being gentle with them Do I do my younger son, who's not a Christian, do I do him any favours by not confronting him with the gospel, even when there's an opportunity to do so? Because I don't really want to get into a fight with him. And it's not all about physical suffering, is it? So much of it is, you know... Do you really, does your heart really ache for your relations who are not Christians? For your friends? And it's a mental and spiritual persecution that we should be suffering. If not, you know, we're not called upon to suffer physically, but we should be suffering. In that way. And of course, when you go out into the world, the, the, the questions invariably arise, don't they? What is God doing? Why does he allow these things to happen? And the answer in our particular passage here tonight is it's that these things are dominated. It's dominated by education and discipline. The Greek word for discipline actually means educate. It's not discipline. It's not punishment. 
You won't be punished for sins in this world. Do you know that? In this lifetime, you will not be punished for your sin. And how do I know that? Because the punishment of us all was laid upon him at Calvary. And if you believe you suffer punishment for your sin in this world, you're taking away the power of the cross. That is the good news. We're released from our chains. You may well suffer the consequence of sin, as indeed you will suffer consequence of any good act that you perform. Every act has a consequence, but you will not be punished in this world for your sin. You remember the story of the, the Tower of Siloam? Um, when the, the, the disciples in, in Luke chapter 13 questioned Jesus about where Herod, no, Pilate, sorry, where Pilate had, had, had mixed the blood of, of, uh, of uh, Pharisees, I think it was, the Pharisees, had mixed the blood of the Pharisees with, their, with the blood of their sacrifices. And where the, the Tower of Siloam, the wall had fallen down and killed a, a, a number of people. And Jesus said, do you suspect that these people were greater sinners than you? I tell you, no. Something's just happened. It's possible to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Why was I not born Chinese and born in China? I don't believe personally that God micromanages our lives. Some people do, and I respect you for it, but I don't think he does. We make choices. God has given us that freedom. Not that he gave you the choice of where you're going to be born, but that's by the by. But yeah, I mean, things do just happen, but we don't, we will not, we will not receive punishment for sin. You will receive punishment for sin one day if you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood to forgive you for your sin, but not in this world. You often hear, say, well, the Lord's, the Lord's punishing me, or the Lord's having a go at me for that, I shouldn't have done that. No, it doesn't work like that. Anything that you suffer, be it physical, mental or spiritual, is for your education. Not for your salvation. And moving on through verses 5 and 10, you will not be punished. Oh, I've just said that. No. I, I was thinking earlier on, I don't know, I don't want to make light of this, but I don't know... If, I think the funniest ever sketch I ever watched on television was Morecambe and Wise and Andre Previn. You remember when Morecambe was sitting at the piano and Andre Previn, the great classical conductor, was, and uh, you know, he, he sort of looked at Morecambe to come in and he started playing a silly bit of music and you know, he grabbed hold of Morecambe and he said to him, you're, you're not playing the right notes. And he said, I am playing the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. <laughs> and it's a bit like my sermons, you know. I know what I want to say, but I never necessarily put it in the right order. So I <clears throat> I'm not a planner like Jonathan, I'm afraid. I'm totally the opposite end of the, of the scale. See, the punishment for our sin was laid on him, and that's the power of the cross. That is the power of salvation. We are saved from our sin. No punishment in this world 
for our sin. And indeed, those who have accepted the power of the cross and those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, there will never be punishment for your sin because it's laid on him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So anything that you feel you're suffering is for your education. Take it in. Don't let's get caught up in this idea that, that discipline is all about punishment. I wish I could have convinced my maths teacher of that years ago, but that's by the by. But you see, when this guy here is writing to the Hebrews, when he quotes Old Testament and he quotes the proverb, the stress is very much on punishment. We read it, didn't we? It had it in here, didn't it? Um, verse 5. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. The emphasis in the Old Testament, and we call it the Old Testament, I'm reading a guy at the moment following him through, John Golding Gay, uh, an Old Testament scholar, he refuses to call it the Old Testament because of the connotation of the word old. So he calls it the First Testament and the Last Testament because there isn't going to be another one. He calls it the first and the last. But the emphasis and the stress was on punishment for sin. But Jesus Christ turned all that. Although he was a fulfillment of all the prophets and the law, he turned all that. It's not punishment, it's discipline, and discipline means education. We need to learn from what we suffer. Not just moan about it like these people were. It's for your education, the guy's telling them. Learn from it. You won't enjoy it. Nobody enjoys discipline. Goodness me, how we have to, should, well, we should, how we have to discipline ourselves to prayer, how we have to discipline ourselves to Bible study. But learn from these things. I wasn't being, they wasn't being punished. And what do we do about learning? I quoted Golden Gay earlier on. He, he, <laughs> he said that from his experience, and, and as he has studied the Old Testament, visits from God were a bit like receiving a visit from the Mafia. But how different with Jesus, wasn't it? Not that God has changed. But the working through of the plan, we've suddenly now come into this era and Jesus has come and he's taken upon himself the sin of the world so there's no, really now no need for punishment for our sin. It's all about learning of him. And what does he say? He doesn't talk of punishment. He says, learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Pampered pilgrims in many respects. Discipline does not exist for its own sake. It exists for an end. And the end here is a strengthening and maturing of the child of God. I tell you, it's really surprising, isn't it, what you learn about yourself when you're being tested and tried? When you're going through periods in your life when things are not going well? 
I can remember back to 1996 when I went through a very dark period in my life. It's amazing what you learn about yourself when you're being disciplined. It's a wondering what you learn about your attitude to other people when you're being disciplined. I wonder if any of us would dare to pray and ask the Lord for discipline. I shouldn't bother. You'll know when you need it. The physiotherapist reminds us of the need to exercise to strengthen our muscles. And our spiritual muscles can become weak and flaccid if they're not exercised through prayer, Bible study and witness to Christ and service to others. We probably all understand that. But what about verse 13? What does that say? Make every effort to live in peace. Sorry, playing the wrong note again. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Once again, he's, he's gone back to Proverbs, using the Old Testament for these Jewish Christians to prove a point, to let them know that, you know, that hasn't been forgotten. It's not to be discarded. It's strange, isn't it? Because when you think about it, I said earlier on about people changing their religions, but the, the Jews didn't have to change their religion, really, did they? This was a fulfillment of their, of their religion. This was a fulfilment, this was, this was their Messiah, but they've missed it. But now he's asking. He said to these guys who are struggling, who are being persecuted in their lives, not necessarily physically, although it could well have been physical, just not to the point of shedding of blood. And now he's saying, make level paths for your feet. Don't make it difficult for yourself. Don't make it difficult for yourself. I mean, what was the point of of these people crawling on their knees? Punishing themselves? Why should you punish yourself when God's not prepared to punish you? Discipline ourselves, certainly. But he talks here of making these paths straight because these people are, are injured, they're suffering, they're injured in, the, in, the, in their walk with the Lord Jesus. They're weak, they're lame. And certainly as, as, as older Christians, as our seniors Christians, and this, this person who's writing to them, you know, make it as easy as possible to bring people back to bring them back into that strong faith because if we don't and we allow them to still walk on rocky ground then the lame will have complete dislocation. Make the path straight. Make the ground flat. Let's make it easy. Not compromise. But bring them on. Help them through. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. You're not being punished, this guy's saying. You're not being punished for turning your back on, on, on what you've, you've been steeped in. 
because that's what they were really having to do. You're not being punished for that. But you are suffering. But see that suffering as a, as a discipline, as an education. So what's the application? What's the challenge for us? Do we fully understand suffering? You need to ask yourself, what has God got to say to me in my situation? Is it firming up to firm up my priorities? Do I need to rebuke my timidity? Seems to be a big thing at the moment, doesn't it? Witnessing. It's not the fact that we're ashamed of what we believe in, but we're timid. You know, I don't like being approached in the street. I don't particularly like people knocking on my front door. We've become that sort of society, haven't we, unfortunately? <laughs> but we need to be. We, we need to be brave with that timidity. We mustn't be timid whenever opportunities arise. Encouraging uh, me to identify with Jesus Christ, his son, who is dismissed by this world every day. Jesus is irrelevant to this world. Although he has all authority here on earth, the man next door couldn't care less about him. He, he, he just doesn't matter. He doesn't matter to him. Is he challenging me to be more open about my faith and talk about it? So often we suffer because we hold it in. There's nothing better than talking about something that's troubling you, is it? And if something's troubling you, then talk to somebody about it. And if it's troubling you that people are not hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ, then talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Sharing good news in a world of bad news and to speak hope into the lives that are struggling with fear and guilt. Starts off by saying, doesn't he? Man up, come on. You're suffering, but you haven't suffered to the point of shedding blood. And this is the saviour that you're worshipping, the one who was prepared to lay down his life for you. So, you know, you, you're, you're drifting away. You've got this salvation that is so wonderful. Hang on to it. Keep your anchor firm. And don't look on this suffering as punishment because it isn't it isn't God doesn't punish his people no more because Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary took the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders and to believe anything less is to take away the power of the son of God and to take away the power of the cross Learn. Learn. Be disciplined. Be prepared to be educated through your suffering. That the Lord will speak to you what you go through. You know, where are the strongest Christians in this world today? China, Egypt, all these countries that are coming under. Why? Because they're not blaming God for their suffering. They know they're not suffering because of their sin. But they are learning from it. They're learning more about Jesus every day. 
They don't understand it anymore. You read the book of Job, they don't understand why they're suffering any more than anybody else. Job refused to believe that he was being punished because he was living a life that was pleasing to God and he knew it. And he refused to believe that he was suffering of punishment. So whatever you go through, in the name of Jesus, it's an education. Certainly not a punishment. No way. Let us ask the Lord Jesus to give us this week eyes to see and courage to act in his name and to his glory. I was going to sing a last hymn, but I'll just read this verse. I think this is... This always evokes emotion in me because I remember, I'm sure I mentioned it here before, I remember seeing a documentary of the missionaries who went into the Orca Indians in Ecuador. And I remember seeing the documentary and the night before they went in to the jungle, the day before they were martyred for their faith, they sat around a campfire and they sang this hymn. And the third verse reads, We go in faith, our own great witness feeling, needing more each day thy grace to know, yet from our hearts a song of triumph pealing, we rest on thee, and in thy name we go. It's all about education. Punishment, forget it. That will come one day for those who don't believe, but in the meantime, let's learn of him who is gentle and humble of heart. Let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Which is always a lamp to our feet. We thank you for our Lord Jesus who did indeed take the punishment of our sin upon himself. And we thank you for times of, of suffering. We do thank you that we in this land have our freedom that doesn't necessarily result in physical suffering, although in some cases it does. And Father, we don't know what the future holds. But certainly in the suffering, in spiritual and mental ways, when our hearts and minds are anxious, when doubt seems to flood our souls, when the anguish of not being able to speak out for you because of our fear and our timidity, and so often for our, because of our love for this world, 
and the things that it has to offer us. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you don't punish us for that. But that you discipline us. And it's through that discipline and education that we know that you love us. For you want your children to be well behaved. We want your, you want your children to be somebody that you can show to this world and be proud of them. As any loving father would. So Father, now as we depart this place, as we go back into the world, as we go back into the office, the workplace, the school, any leisure activity that we're involved in, Father, let us never be afraid to take you there. And that our conversation with those that we meet, be pleasing to you, not a compromise, but pleasing to you, not worried about pleasing others, but pleasing you and glorifying your precious name. And Father, it's in the precious name of our Lord Jesus that we offer up this prayer this evening. Pray for your safekeeping. And your love for each one of us until we meet again. Amen. Thank you, folks. There's no good news tonight. Bad news is you've got me again next week. <clears throat>